Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. There's all these questions, you know, there's all this worry when there's this big question mark. So I'm standing here so that lets you know things are good enough and um, this song, can we put that last song up, Brad? Because as we were singing that song, this pr- pretty much sums it up. Um, I know it's a little hard to read with that background, but um, maybe the next slide. Our deliverer, you are our saver. In your presence, we find our strength. And we talk about that every Sunday. We talk about it during the week, but it's one thing to go through it. Um, and I was thinking about it a lot this past week, and I'll be teaching next Sunday on this, most likely during Father's Day. But you can't pass this on. When we talk about, yeah, you know, let's, let's open up God's word, and let's talk about how God is our Savior, and in his presence we find our strength. Like, you can talk about it, but you can't pass it on. You can only go through it. And um, as much as these past, well, this past year has sucked, <laughs> straight up, there's no way to, for me to know more of this unless I'd gone through it. And although it sounds like a curse that I'm saying to you, I pray that you get the gift of being able to go through something like this. Um, it's not over for us. We don't really know. Everyone's like, hey, how you doing? How you feeling? What's the diagnosis? Let me just put a big old question mark there because they're sent into the Mayo Clinic. They're doing all, they don't know. I oh, think it's some kind of pneumonia, but we don't really know. And that's where you go, well, where's my trust really? This is where our trust is. And I hope that you have the opportunity to grow in your faith like we have. Um, so, and this summer is going to be unique in general. We decided to go to the one service, which was totally outside the box for us, going to one service. Um, we want to do all these fun things during the week because we want to change the way we do things because we want to be more who God wants us to be. And we're willing to go through whatever to do that. So we're doing a lot of different things this summer um, for that. Then this wrench gets thrown in also because God's kind of made it clear, all right, remember when we started this church? There was like 15 of us and then everybody started calling it Boog's Church because, you know, if you have a church and there's a pastor, well, it's George's church, that's Boog's church, that's Denny's church, that's Rick's church, that's whoever the pastor is, they call it that church. And just, that sounds weird. It's not right. So what we said was, listen, you don't call it Boog and Steph's church and we won't act that way. And the beautiful thing is, over the past week or two, it's made it very clear, it's not our church, it's, it's our church. And we make up his body, and he'll use all of us to accomplish his work. And so that's what this summer is gonna look like. We're gonna be around, but it won't be as much as usual, while one, we rest, and the doctors do what they gotta do. So, coming back to this, this is where our hope is. We'll be around, but God is going to move through us, and we're excited for you guys to see how you step up and let God use you. Um, I'm supposed to give these announcements, but it kind of doesn't really fit, so I'm going to pray, <laughs> and um, we'll have you guys stand up and greet each other. Father, um, may you receive all the glory. And um, 
We know that your kingdom has come, but it's also coming. And so we ask the question, Lord, why have you forsaken us? But that's Psalm 22. And then Psalm 23, we also say, the Lord is my shepherd. So Lord, shepherd this flock, guide us, and above all, Lord, we want to be just drawn closer to you. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Good morning. Sounds like everybody's got something to say this morning. I love it. Well, my name's Ash, if I haven't met you. Uh, good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, as many of you know, or maybe you don't know, I've transitioned out of my job as a pastor to college students. Uh, so I've shared here in the past, and I just wanted to give you a brief update on Anna and I's life. So I've been working with college students for the past five years as, a, as their pastor, six years-ish, and uh, transitioned to work with political leaders, business leaders, uh, creative industry leaders, uh, religious leaders, to bring the name of Jesus into all these places of leadership. So I'm working with a nonprofit foundation and trying to bring Jesus to those places where he is desperately needed. So you can be praying with Anna and us uh, and myself in that new adventure. But we're going to be in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible or a phone or an iPad or some kind of device that might allow you to see the book of Acts, we have Bibles that my brothers here are going to be passing out. And I believe that if you don't own a Bible, you can download one for free, or I think you can keep this one. Is that right? The one that you have been handed, you can actually just take that home, and that can be your Bible. Uh, so we're going to be in Acts chapter 10. Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. Uh, last week, we heard from George Hulse. Was anybody here for that? A few of you? Four of you. Okay, so we have a new audience. Excellent. Uh, Many of you know George. Uh, he's the pastor of the Shoreline Church. I've known George for almost 25 years, which is crazy to think about. Um, but he talked about what Branches is. What does this community purpose to be about? And one of the things that I, I remember him saying and that I've seen on a lot of the, like the website and all the things is that Branches is a church for people who... Mumble, mumble, mumble. Uh, something like they don't go to church. People who don't go to church, right? And he talked about uh, how we might find our place in this community. He pointed to some passages in, in Exodus and uh, to give context how we each have a unique gift to bring to the community, right? And uh, so it seems fitting that we pick up our journey here in Acts because uh, I think it ties in really beautifully to what George talked about. Uh, but the thing I like about this statement, people, a church for people who don't go to church, uh, is it opens up this community for some real risks, actually. Uh, some uncharacteristic ways of gathering a group together to have an experience of the divine presence in Jesus Christ. And that's exciting to me. Because um, what I find in most churches uh, is that people don't necessarily feel comfortable in spaces where people aren't just like them. Uh, and I think that kind of just is across the board true about humanity. We tend to surround ourselves with people that are like us, that believe the same things, that look similarly. A lot of us, you know, look similarly in this room. Uh, I have a neighbor who lives across the street. She's a wonderful old woman named Setsu. She's Japanese, uh, sweet woman. 
and she looks at, at my wife and I, and she's like, you all look the same to me, right? That's like, <laughs> you all look the same. <laughs> and it's like the exact same thing I would say about Setsu. But it's, it's just, that's how we see the world. It's so weird, you know. We think we all look so unique and different, and yet Setsu looks, I can't tell you guys apart, <laughs> you know. So uh, anyway, if that's true, then, and that we're here as a church of people who don't, for people who don't go to church, then I'm with a bunch of people who don't go to church. <laughs> and that's a conundrum, right? Because you're all sitting here. So uh, anyway, maybe some of you previously didn't go to services like this, or maybe some of you thought the church was stuffy or conservative or judgmental or narrow-minded, and, uh, but then you met someone and they invited you into this community and something happened. And you had to rethink your worldview or at least how you thought about church, right? Because you had your idea of what this was and what this looked like. And then you met someone and you built a relationship. And from that relationship, you had to decide, what do I do with what I thought this was and who this person is and who these people are now? And so that's what I want to deal with today because I think that's what Jesus is dealing with, was dealing with in his day when he walked the earth, and I think that's what the apostles are dealing with here in Acts chapter 10 is where we are. And I want to talk about three things. I want to talk about how sometimes we've made up our minds about things, and then we have to end up changing our minds, right? Because we got some new information, or the collective consciousness changed, or we were surprised in some way. Then I want to look at the story in Acts and Peter, the Apostle Peter, and how he had to go through that same process. And then I want to close by talking about how the story about Peter actually has something to teach us about the way we think today. So, first, sometimes we make up our minds about something, right? We've got our minds made up, but then we have to change our minds. Really inconvenient uh, because we receive some new information, or the collective consciousness changed, or we were surprised in some way. I call this the no-doubt law. Um, this is like, my, I made this up. This isn't real. The no-doubt law. In high school, here at Dana Hills is where I went, um, I was a surfer, and I listened to surf music. Kind of in that day, all the video, surf videos had bands like Pennywise and No Use for a Name and Seven Seconds and all these punk sort of bands, and someone handed me say, hey, you got to listen to this tape. Tape, yes, tape. Uh, <laughs> not CD, not 8-track, not MP3. Uh, you got to listen to this tape. It's called, this band called No Doubt. And I thought, okay. So I listened. I put it in my Sony Walkman, you know, you know, and I'm walking around, and I'm listening to No Doubt, and I'm going, no, 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 no. No doubt. No to no doubt. And it's like this new wave, big band, ska kind of deal. It's synthesizers and trumpets and things like that. And I'm like, I feel like I'm at Disneyland or something. Like, what is this? And so I, no, no thank you. That's, you know. Uh, but then something happened. Then my friends started listening to No Doubt. And then they invited me to go to the show because they lived locally and it was free. And so we go to UC Irvine and we listen to No Doubt play. And there's like 10 people in this band. And it's just this huge thing. And there's no like real surfer guys there. And, but No Doubt, and I start, this thing happens, I start to like No Doubt. And I start listening to No Doubt. And then I start going to hear No Doubt at concerts. And now all of a sudden this thing that I had originally made up my mind about 
no, 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 no doubt, is now like, okay, no doubt, that's fine. Um, I'm into it. And it wasn't that like no, no doubt was bad per se, it was just that it wasn't how I understood myself, my style, my tastes. Have you ever done this? Like you've seen a hairstyle, right? I could call this like the Eric Maxim. This could be the no doubt law or the Eric Maxim. My roommate, my senior year of college, he had uh, this hairstyle and he would spend like 45 minutes in front of the mirror working on his hairstyle. I mean, I don't, I literally like that much time and I'm thinking, what is going on? It could, what only could be described as a faux hawk. Um, and he would just sit there like literally one hair at a time and he'd be like, and I'm thinking, dude, let's go. <laughs> you know, like we're leaving. He's like, hold on, hold on. And you know, and it, I'd never seen the faux hawk. It was kind of a new thing, but it was, I'd never seen anybody style their hair the way he styled his hair. So uh, I would give him such a hard time for it. And I remember giving him like a super hard time one day and he just snapped in front of the mirror one day and he just like puts down his gel and he's like, it's all about style, Ash, and you don't get it. <laughs> I just thought, okay, dude, sorry. I was like, but he was right. I didn't get it. But you know what happened? Later on, I got it, and <laughs> yes, I sported a faux hawk or two, and uh, I got this new information that faux hawks were cool, and the chicks kind of digged them, and the collective consciousness had once again changed, okay? So uh, a friend of mine, uh, he calls this the Donald Sterling principle. Uh, if you don't know Don, Donald Sterling, about, about 30 years ago, you could make all kinds of racist, racist remarks and comments and keep your basketball team. But, in the, as we saw in the case of Donald Sterling, in 2014, you can't make racist, bas bas racist comments and keep your basketball team. So the owner of the Clippers was forced to sell the Clippers, right? Some of you may have seen this in the news or heard about it. The collective consciousness would no longer allow for this kind of behavior right? There was severe punishment for making these kinds of comments. So now, let's turn to our story with that in mind. In Acts chapter 10, it's the whole chapter. Anybody, has anybody not read their Bible this week? Anyone? Wow, you're a bunch of liars. Come on. <laughs> really? <laughs> I forgot you guys don't go to church. It's all good. <laughs> Okay, so we're, we're going to be reading about Peter and Cornelius. Peter is an apostle of, of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. The guy's got a pretty legitimate resume. Um, really, he only needed three words on his resume, walked on water. You know, so that's like, you know, my card, Peter, walked on water. Um, immediate authority. So anyway, Peter is, is hanging out in Joppa. Joppa's in Israel. I've been there. It's a beautiful place. You can surf there. I surfed there with Todd Moorhead and some others from Walking on Water. It was a good time. Uh, so this is a real place, and we went to where Peter was staying, Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, so that's where Peter is, and we're going to pick up the story in, in chapter 10, verse 1. In Caesarea, or Caesarea, as they call it there, there was a man named Cornelius, uh, a centurion of the Italian cohort as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision. No big deal. 
he saw, clearly saw an angel coming and saying to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror, as I'm sure any of us would. What is it, Lord? He answered, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his servants and and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, so Caesarea or Caesarea is, is on the coast, as is Joppa, the Mediterranean of Israel. So they're about 30 miles north of Joppa in Caesarea. And that's like a day and a half to two day journey. Okay, 30 miles when you're just walking it out. That's, that's a long ways, and you don't have, like, your Nike shoes on, and there isn't a paved road, and you're just, you're moving through, you know, the land, basically. It's like 30 miles of the run swim through Laguna. It's going to take you a long time. So, it's, it's a long journey, okay? Now, think about what, where does, it, where can we get to in a day and a half now? We could get to, like, New Zealand, well, actually, that's not even far enough. We've got to go, like, even further to, like, Papua New Guinea, right? Like, that's over there. That's, like, that's how long it would take us to get to Papua New Guinea, right? It would take us, like, a day and a half, two days. Now, think if you had a vision of a guy staying at a house a day and a half away. There's a guy, I want you to go call for this guy in Papua New Guinea. He's in this hut with this guy. I mean, that sounds, like, out there, right? This is what they're doing. I'm, sending a, I'm going to send three of my guys on a day and a half journey. It's going to take them that long to get there to meet this guy, Simon Peter, who's staying at another Simon's house. That's not going to be confusing. Uh, so he sends them out. Then about noon the next day as they were on their journey, so these guys are on their journey the next day. It's about noon o'clock and they're approaching the city. Peter, Simon Peter, went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry. This is like so, I love this because it just feels so normal. He got hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. So classic Christian goes up onto the, the roof to pray and falls asleep. Like, <laughs> who's had this experience? I really just want to get some time. And the, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> just, you're out, right? Uh, but he falls into a trance. That's what I call it too. Sorry, I, you know. I was in a trance. I wasn't sleeping. He saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter recognizes this voice as the Lord's. And he says, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. And the voice said a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane or common or unclean. And this happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now, Peter was puzzled about what to make of the vision he had seen. Suddenly, not really suddenly for the guys that were traveling, but suddenly for for Peter, the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing at the gate. By, they called out to, to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three guys are here searching for you. Get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation. I've sent them. So Peter went down to the men, and he's like, I'm, I'm the guy that you're looking for. Uh, what do you want? What's the reason for your coming? And they answered, 
So Cornelius the centurion, uh, an upright and God-fearing man, this would be all like paradoxical for them in their language, right? This Roman centurion, this is the occupying, oppressing force of Rome. And this is like, a centurion is like, he's the guy, right? It's like when you go to an angel game, if you go to an angel game, you walk into the stadium, there's thousands and thousands of people there, but then like Mike Trout or one of the angels walks out and it's like, that's the guy. Like, this is why we're here. This is what's going on. This is what it's all about. It's the angels. Well, this is what's going on. Rome is the occupying force. This, these are the people. And there's one of the guys. He's the guy. That's like, that's a Roman centurion. And so they start saying a Roman centurion. These are the people that have perfected crucifixion. These are the people that the way that they crucified people was the way that Jesus was crucified. So, they see, he says, Cornelius, a God-fearing man. Well, which God is he talking about? Uh, so, already they're like, what, this can't be right. Well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. That would be weird. Uh, these are obviously out of the ordinary. Was directed by a holy angel. <laughs> what? This is all just so crazy for anyone who's Jewish to hear any of this. Okay? That a Roman centurion would have any kind of experience like this. Okay? And he sent us to you to come to, to ask you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. Uh, so Peter just invites them in and gives them a place to stay. The next day they get up and they go. They go all the way to Cornelius' house and Cornelius is expecting him and has invited all of his family and friends to come hear what Peter might have to say. And then when Peter walks in, Cornelius, a Roman centurion, the guy, falls, falls down on his face and starts worshiping Peter. Okay, can you understand what like a crazy situation this would be for Peter? These are the guys that had his Lord crucified. Right? Are now worshiping Peter. One of the leaders. That's crazy. That's just so out of the ordinary. Peter's mind is like struggling. He had said no to no doubt. He had made up his mind about this group of people. But now he says, whoa, 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 I'm just, a, I'm just stand up. I'm only a mortal, he says there in verse 26. And, and as he talked with them, he went in and out. He went in and found that many had assembled. So there's this whole group. And he said to them, hey, you guys know that it's not lawful for a Jew to associate uh, with or, or to visit even a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. And Peter's like, I think I got the vision. I think I know what he's talking about now. Like, and, and it's written here. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Well, also because like an angel of the Lord spoke to you and said, go without hesitation. Now, may I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius replies, well, four days ago at this very hour, at three o'clock I was praying in my house and suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your alms have been remembered before God. So send to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying there with Simon the Tanner. So I sent for you immediately, and you've been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God to listen to all that the Lord has commanded you to say. <laughs> no pressure, Peter. Like, how about you're giving that sermon, right? Like, so we, uh, I had this vision from the Lord. He said to go get you and bring you here, and you're here. I've brought everybody here, and we, we want to hear what the Lord has to say. Go ahead. And Peter's like, takes a deep breath. Okay. Verse 34. I truly understand now that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent 
to the people of Israel? Probably not, but he's going to tell him. Uh, preach, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. This would all be sort of some information that would be unknown to Cornelius and his friends and his family at this point. But he, he keeps going. The baptism that John announced, how God anointed, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. In verse 43, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And then while Peter is still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded, right? These are the oppressors. This is the, this is the, the wrong people. The Holy Spirit does not fall on these people. Peter and these circumcised people that are with him are probably thinking, we've got to get this message of Jesus the Messiah to the people of God, to the Jews, right? And then all of a sudden, wait, whoa, whoa, where? no, Spirit, you found, you've, you've fallen on the wrong people here. They're astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, can anyone withhold the water for baptism, for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they invited him to stay there for several days. Okay, so that's the story. And we're going to look at Peter going through that process, and then we're going to say, look at what this means for us. And we'll close there. So, the Roman centurion, he's the guy. He's got at least 100 people working underneath him. Very important dude. Uh, he's in a real nice part of, of, of Israel. Actually, it's, it's all right on the coast. I've been there to that fortress that he probably worked and lived at. Beautiful place. Nice little right-hand point break. <laughs> I, wasn't, I didn't care about that. There was... Uh, the weather is nice there because the weather gets cold in Jerusalem. It snows there sometimes. And so this guy's from the Italian cohort. So he's probably used to pretty nice weather like in Italy. And uh, he's probably really well trusted because this is a key port for trading. A lot of the grains that came in from, from Egypt and other places came through this port city. And so you want to put someone there that you trust who's trustworthy and reliable. And so that's why Cornelius is there. Uh, he's there to keep the peace. Now, Cornelius was devout. He was a man of prayer. He feared God. He had respect for the Jewish people, and they respected him. And he prayed and gave alms to the people. This would be sort of out of the ordinary for uh, a Roman Gentile. But something had grabbed him about the God of Israel. And so he, he was this kind of guy. But it wouldn't matter. He couldn't go inside the temple. He couldn't go past the outer courts. He, he, had no, he was not Jewish. In that day, in order to have any connection to God, you had to become a Jewish person. So Peter was a Jew. Uh, he was Jesus' right-hand man at some points. He was like, at this point, thinking probably, how do we announce this good news of Jesus to all the Jews, to all the people of God, that he is the long-awaited Messiah? And he's not thinking, man, we really need to get the word out to the Gentiles, especially these Roman guards and military forces. 
Uh, it's, the, it's not even lawful for Peter and Cornelius to like sit down to dinner together, okay? To have like table fellowship. Because you can't mix the sacred stuff with the common stuff, right? That was part of like that, that tablecloth of all these different foods coming down. That was pork. You can't eat pork, but there's all other kinds of meats that they couldn't eat. And pork was generally the cheapest meat. And so a lot of people thought, oh, well, the Jews, they don't eat meat because they're just, they don't eat the pork because they're just too good for our cheap meat. You know, so there's all these kinds of prejudices and ideas that were, that were moving in this story here. Uh, the Jews were to be set apart. Well, apparently, Peter finds out, if you fear God and do what is right, then God will accept you. He says, uh, you know, verse 34, Peter spoke to them. I, I understand now that God shows no partiality. Um, everyone in every nation who fears him and does what is right is acceptable. So that wasn't formerly the case, okay? Uh, if you wanted to be one of God's people, it was to become a Jew. And that seems to be changing. This is a giant move forward in the collective consciousness of their day, okay? It's a huge life changer. This isn't just like, oh, that hairstyle that I thought wasn't cool is now cool and now I have to do it. It was like that whole people that were formerly not included in God's favor, all of a sudden have been brought in and are invited and can be seen as acceptable to God. That is a huge change in the collective consciousness. So he has this vision of things that have been called unclean for all these years that have separated him out, defined him, are now he's saying, God is saying, I'm calling them clean. So Peter speaks to them and, and he says, you know, the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Now, that's an all-encompassing statement. Most of what Peter says is like Jewish-specific. Judea, Galilee, Jerusalem, all the things that they saw, John the Baptist, the prophets, all this stuff would have been like <laughs> over their heads. But this statement, he is Lord of all. That's everyone. Okay? And Jesus would tell these kinds of stories. He told a story of a, a king who throws a banquet. Maybe you've heard this. He's, he tells a story about a king who throws a banquet and he invites all these people to come. But the invited guests, they're like too busy. They're like, eh, I'm not coming. So then he sends other servants out and says, go invite everybody who wasn't originally invited. Let's bring all them to the table. Okay? So this is what's happening. Peter is one of the servants, the followers of Jesus, that's being sent out to bring all these people that weren't formerly invited. Hey, you thought you weren't invited, you're invited. And, and God may even find you acceptable if you fear him and do what is right. The message about Jesus was for the Jew first, but now like we've read in, in Acts, it was also for these Ethiopians, and now it's for the Gentiles, and now it's even for the Romans. Everyone's invited. So for us now, today, this story, the Acts of the Apostles that we're reading about, they're carrying on the work of Jesus that he's inaugurating a new kingdom, a new consciousness. Uh, Jesus dined with the despised, the morally destitute. He was already pulling the collective consciousness forward, saying, we got to keep moving. And they're looking at him gasping, going, <gasps> You can't do that. You can't eat that. You can't sit there. You can't do that with them. You can't be with him. You can't talk to her. We can't go through that part of the land. There was all sorts of things that Jesus was doing 
but then Peter finds himself with a whole bunch of people who don't go to church, right? He finds himself in a gathering of people who don't go to church. And what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on this group of people. And he baptizes them. So my question to you, who have you prejudged to not be invited? All are invited. Now, not all are acceptable necessarily. There must be fear of God and doing what is right. But who have you written off? ISIS? Muslims? Hindus? Catholics? Rich? The very rich? The sellouts? The middle class? The liberal left? The conservative right? The pro-choice advocates? Pro-life advocates, lawyers, doctors, abusers, the bullies, the weak, the smart, the dull. Who have you written off? The long borders? The short borders? (laughs) The stand-up paddle borders encroaching on your break? Who is it for you? Because things are going to continue to change. The collective consciousness will keep morphing and changing. Like in some states, weed is legalized. That's a tricky sermon, right? Uh, Can't there just be like an 11th commandment? So we could just be like, and thou shalt not smoke weed. (laughs) See, it's right there. Uh, (laughs) The collective consciousness is changing. I remember, you know, my dad would tell me stories of like, We'd be playing cards and be like, I remember when we couldn't play cards. I'm like, well, why couldn't you play cards? Well, they were the, it was the devil's picture book. The devil's picture book? Yeah, well, you know, Satan is the king and the queen of hearts is Mary, the mother of the harlots. And the, the joker is Jesus. He's the fool. And the jacks are, you know, the pimps. And I mean, like, all these things. Like, and I, like, I went on, I'm like, what is this? I got to go on Wikipedia and, like, look up cards. It's all, like, nobody really knows. It's, I, you can search, research for yourself, but I'm thinking, we were, they said we were allowed to play with rook cards, which nobody really knows what rook cards are anymore, but they couldn't play cards. Like, they couldn't play rummy or go fish, because it was, was the devil's picture book. Now, I would argue that the collective consciousness has changed a little bit, right? Um, there, there was a time when... Christians would uh, picket and sign petitions and all these sorts of things to not have a, an establishment in their city that sold alcohol. And now there are ministries called Beer and Hymns. And I'm not kidding, that's real. And uh, what we do is we get together and we drink beer and we sing hymns. Um, the collective consciousness has and is and will continue to change, okay? But it, what needs to stay the same is the fear of God and doing what is right. Uh, that's, that's tricky. But the way of Jesus is the way of embracing all people. Like the psalmist says, uh, he writes that all, all of us were knit together in our mother's womb. Like, 
the writer of Genesis writes, all of humanity is created in the image of God. And as the Apostle John writes, if you can't love your brother who you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? And so I'll I'll leave you with this. Whoever you think is out is actually in. (laughs) They're invited to the table. Their acceptance will be judged by Jesus alone, not by you and not by me. If you thought you were out, not invited, stuck at the red velvet rope uh, because of something in your past, let me be the first to tell you you're invited to the table. You're the one that God wants to save, redeem, uh, adopt, purchase, reconcile, uh, you know, I was thinking of that, even that song, you know, the, the redemption, the Savior, all these, these are the metaphors that are used with us, how God wants to bring us back to himself. And this is what Jesus is doing throughout the scripture. So this morning, as we now, we're going to turn and praise God through worship, would you reflect on who are those that you've prejudged or have a prejudice against? That's what prejudice is to prejudge, to judge beforehand, to make a decision about something, to make up your mind before you have all the facts or only garner facts that support your prejudice. Who have you prejudged? There's no way they could be made in the image of God. They're not invited. Maybe it's yourself. You're holding yourself at a distance for something you've done and you need to let that go. You need to hear Peter's words. You've held yourself out of God's favor because your your knowledge of your own brokenness. And Peter's words, God shows no partiality accepts anyone who fears him and does what is right. And this good news in verse 43, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So today, if you thought that you weren't invited to receive his forgiveness, I've got some good news for you. You are. If you thought you weren't a part of the family, you are. It's a more of a, like a waking up to your true self as you understand who he is. Because as Peter says, he is Lord of all. That means you too. And the beauty of that is mean, it means he's for you. He's not just for me or this certain group of people here. But he's Lord of all and so he's for all. He wants to redeem all. He wants to not lose one. He would tell stories of just one that would get away and he would leave the 99 and go find that one. Again, those metaphors to save, redeem, adopt, purchase, reconcile, heal, love to the fullest extent. So it's up to you to see that that same invitation applies to everyone, even those you have written off. Or thought, how can they be made in his image? So take that thought with you. Receive the forgiveness that he offers. If you're standing at that red velvet rope because you've put it there, maybe you have to have just sort of this mental image of it being 
taken away and you being invited to the table. Whatever prejudices that you have against yourself or against other people need to be dropped because all are invited, all are welcome. And that's, that's what we're to be doing. We're to be going out and being that. We're to be the servants that are going out and inviting more people in. Oh, you don't go to church? Yeah, me neither. I go to this, well, sort of, I go to this church for people who don't go to church. <laughs> it's a bunch of us that don't go to church, but we're there, but it's, you just got to come. Come spend some time with us. We're going to eat. We're going to have a feast one of these weeks. You know, we're going to let's just share a table together. All right? I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll spend some time praising God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, Lord, for how you continually pull us forward. Lord, we want to be, be like you were, uh, crossing those boundaries, upsetting the social norms in the name of love, in the name of charity and grace and mercy. Lord, help us to see the heavens opened and to see all those that we have formerly called profane and, and see them as made clean by you. And maybe that's, our, our, maybe that's just looking in the mirror. I know some of us are quick to call ourselves profane and unclean. But Lord, you have washed us clean. Help us to be instruments of your in, invitation, Lord. To bring presence. And you get to judge whether or not they're acceptable. Our, we get to invite. And what a glorious opportunity that is. To invite people into a life of mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and charity and generosity. Give us strength and boldness in that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.